Friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and in the studio with me today is John Dale, and we want to welcome you to the Wild at Heart podcast, the week of August 28th. Really excited for where we're headed, but before we go anywhere, we want to invite you together with us to simply pause, to recover your breath, to come here and now into the present moment. God, we ask that you would attune us to our breath. We give you our senses. We give you our thinking. We give you our imagination. We give you whatever it was that led us to this podcast, the curiosity, the ache, the loneliness, the thirst, the deep need for you that underlies all of it. Friends, I wanna invite you just to take a couple deep breaths is breathing in the life of God. Breathing out everything that you're carrying. Breathing in confidence that God is here. breathing out the relentless temptation to do life in your own strength. More of your life into more of our life in this moment, in our story, in Jesus' name. Amen. JD, good to be with you in the studio. Yeah, fun to be here, Morgan. Once in a while, about two to three times a year, we'll feature a Become Good Soil podcast on the Wild at Heart podcast platform, um, just with an, with a fresh opportunity to give you visibility to one of our deeper discipleship tracks for the mission of Wild at Heart. And today we're kicking into a two-part podcast series that was originally aired on Become Good Soil. But there's a little different angle on this um, because this is something big and something wild. And I, I have to say in nearly a quarter century of our work stewarding what's been entrusted to our care, um, this is one of the most profound initiatives we've ever been a part of. And so JD, um, by way of introduction, there's a story like in our history where this began and we didn't even know it would lead to this day. Can can you take us into that story? Yeah, so this is this is wild, Mark. It's got to have been over a decade now that during some times of prayer, God gave some of us on the team a picture. And the picture was this, it's a map and fires start popping up in one place and then another place and connecting and the interesting thing was, as we kind of considered what God was telling us, we were like, oh, this is this beautiful 
mythic picture yes. of what he must be doing through our work. And so we would do a lot of praying into, you know, yes, God, we agree with what you're doing with fires. And, and what's fascinating is we find ourselves here over a decade later, literally launching Wild at Heart fires, which are actual <laughs> literal <laughs> fires with people gathered around them. And it happened just completely organically. Yeah. You know, men have for millennia have gathered around fires. Right. And we started hearing these stories organically of our allies gathering men, Christians, non-Christians around fires to have conversations. And we're really excited that today, after a short beta period, we're actually launching this Wild at Heart Fires initiative. Yeah, we're really excited to bring this to the largest community uh, of Wild at Heart, men and women. This podcast uh, primarily targeted men on the Become Good Soil platform, but this is an, the epicenter of our way of reaching out to men around the globe. And so you women listeners, it's an honor to invite you in sort of behind the scenes to see um, what's unfolding in the lives of men. And so JD, as you said, that we did a soft launch. We offered this two-part series back in spring. And at the time there were 30 fires that were actually happening among our allies. And now as of today, where are we at? with fires. Yeah, so I looked this morning, um, our original goal was we were like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if in the first year we got to 300 of yep. these around the world? Um, and I just checked and we're almost 150 already. And it, and it hasn't even actually launched yet. Right. I mean, literally today, this podcast marks the official launch and we're already near 150 fires. And so guys, we say that just to give visibility to, we believe that God is fueling this thing and we want to steward it. We want to champion many of our allies out around the globe that have already showed up to be a part of this. Right now, we'll jump in. It's a conversation I hosted with Brian Bird of Wild Courage and Jay Heck of Being Sons, where I brought them into the studio here at Wild at Heart to feature the fires that they have been shepherding for years and to get their thoughts on where we would go next. So let's dive right in to part one of Wild at Heart Fires. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. There's a revolution at hand. There's an organic mission of men by day and by decade becoming whole, becoming mature, becoming, I'd use the word integrated, becoming the kind of man that God meant when he meant masculinity. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're a part of it. It's a revolution. It's not in the headlines. And yet it's the major theme. God is restoring the hearts of men, recovering joy, restoring integrity, and it's contagious. And there is this undercurrent of revolution of men gathering locally that we're just naming fires. It's been going for years. Jay Hack and being sons has been after this for seven years. 
Brian Bird and the Wild Courage team has been going after this in Idaho for over three years. And there are many fires around the globe. And it's, it's just been so, um, the stories keep pouring in of transform lives. So with such frequency that I had to bring Jay and Brian into the studio to honor being sons and wild courage and to share stories and to give the background and ultimately to give an invitation to you men, wherever you're listening to this podcast series to say, would you join us? And would you light a fire? Would you gather a few men? Because it's changing the world. And not many things are doing that in this hour. So having said that, Jay Heck, Brian Bird, welcome to the Become Good Soil podcast. So glad, so happy to be with Thanks, you, Morgan. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be here. Great to be here. And I love your excitement about it. I think it's warranted. Yeah, God's doing something really great. What comes Absolutely. up? Like when you hear me give that kind of framework, you've been in the trenches. You've been in there. I'm telling your story. So I, what comes up? What, what story um, explains the fruit? Or just what comes up in your heart, even in beginning a dialogue with the role of fires in masculine initiation in this hour, particularly on the earth? Um. This fire that I get to host is something that I need. And, you know, any of the growth, anything that we're talking about is just bonus on top of that. But having come to boot camps, having come to become good soil, having made the decision that I'm going to pursue union with God, whatever that looks like, led me to realize that I cannot do that independently. I have to have other guys to do it with, and I, I don't know the answers. So there was a, a vulnerability and there was a risk at thinking that I might be able to host a fire and in any way, you know, I don't even know what was necessary. Do I need to keep guys' attention? Do I need to teach? Do I need to do whatever? I just knew that I was invited into this category of sonship that I knew very little about. Uh, that was very exposed in me when the Lord invited me to be a son. And I tried doing it for a while by myself and realized, no, actually what I need is to hear stories of other men who are wrestling to discover the answer to that question themselves. I really need to be doing this with other guys. And so I just invited some of my closest friends. We started hanging out, having a fire, doing things in a way that was really different than I have ever done them before. and. I tell the guys quite frequently that if being sons collapsed, if it disappeared, if everything else were to go away, I cannot imagine not hosting a fire where I could get fed by the yes. stories of other like-minded, like-hearted men. I mean, it is a feast all in itself, no matter what happens. So I'm doing it for me, first and foremost. And when I ask God about, hey, what are your plans? What do you want to do? He's like, this is for you. Mm. This is primarily for you. Jay, I think it's a really important observation when you say this is a feast in and of itself. It's not just for the next thing. 
right? And yeah. men were always thinking about the next thing, the next mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. that that the effect of what happens inside the soul of the man, even in just one fire, one evening, to listen to God, men wrestling with God, to listen to their stories, to listen to stories of God intervening mm-hmm. on behalf of men, to listen to men taking courageous steps to receive sonship and become wholehearted. It's a feast. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good. Bri, how about you? Yeah, I think Jay hit a couple of themes there, but when the word was used was feast, um, I just can't help but think of the fruit that God has for us at that feast. And one of the one of the fruits, you know, I'm changing names to protect uh, innocence and stories, of course. But, you know, I think what explains it the most, you know, eloquently is that we had a guy named Joe, um, typical man who, who made a mistake and uh, had an affair with his wife. And Joe, um, you know, typical response by, by religi- the religious leaders in his life. They booted him out of his church. He had nowhere to go. Those ones he called friends no longer answered the phone and experienced some devastating church hurt, nowhere to go. But down the road, there was a barn. Mm. And down that road in that barn were a couple guys that said, come on in. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to, we're not going to boot you out of the religious setting that you were in. Here's an invitation and a permission given to show up. We'll get around you. Mm. We'll get on your shoulders. Well, you can sit on our shoulders. We're going to wrap you up in a hug, and 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 we're going to believe that God's going to come for you, and we're not going anywhere. And uh, we lit the fire, and he'd come and he'd listen. Uh, the first month, and the second month he listened, and then about the seventh month, someone called him out and said, "Hey, we haven't heard from you in about six months. I'd love to know a little bit more about you," and and it broke open and he opened his heart and said, I'm hurting. And Jay mentioned it before. I'm alone and I don't have anywhere to go because all my religious support has, has now rejected me out of the, out of the structure and the system. And uh, we were able to, to meet Joe. We were able to wrap our arms around him. We were able to pray for him. We were able to support him. But more importantly, we were able to have an environment where he could come and he felt safe enough to share and safe enough to be heard and seen, where he could start to find healing for his heart. Now, long story made short, Joe started seeing a counselor. You know, a lot of us in that barn were there because we've seen counselors. We've experienced trauma. We've been hurt in the same, similar way that Joe had. And they got to hear, Joe got to hear our stories first. Mm-hmm. And in that exchange, uh, Joe's doing to bring it up full speed today, three years later, Joe's Joe's one of uh, behind the scenes leaders. Joe is a Joe's a guy that will show up for anybody, and he's he's happily remarried, happily um, his structures in place to support him. He's found fruit um, in in the areas of life where he was damaged the most, and it all started because he came and sat and listened to other guys' stories and found hope where he was hopeless. Hmm. Brian, I feel like I just walked into the New Testament. I mean, I just feel like my my throat is tight with emotion of that's a parable of the early church. 
That's what was supposed to happen when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, right? It's why I love the scripture that we've, we've all held on to for fires where, um, you know, Jesus is commissioning men just like us saying, go out, you know, and he says, like, you don't have to go far. You don't have to go far. Tell them the kingdom is right here. There's a place to bring the sick to get healthy. There's a place to bring the dead to be raised. There's a place for untouchables where they could be touched. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of that story, Brian, of, mm. like you said, sometimes just to hold a man, just to give him a hug, just to be face to face. And, and I love, you know, in Peterson's translation, it says, you know, you don't have to put on a big fundraising campaign to start this thing. You don't need a lot of equipment, travel light. You are the equipment. And so you just told a parable of kingdom come. And I love when Peterson says the scriptures are over time meant to be autobiographical. If we are walking in the kingdom, those should become our stories. So that is a stunning example of the fruit of fires over time. He comes to a safe place for the masculine soul. He's honored to listen, to simply just be an active participant through listening not forced to share. And then in time, he has to take a risk. And you look at the fruit years later. It's so beautiful. So guys, I think with that story by way of introduction, I would love to invite men that are listening into um, what a fire is and then what a fire isn't. Because what we're describing is something universal that every man needs and is available to every man. And so we're transcending cultures. We're transcending um, countries. And so I'd love to start, guys, and ask you from your experience, what is a fire? Like, what are the basic elements that make it distinct from a bunch of other things that aren't bearing fruit? And I'll start with one as a question. We're literally talking about actual flames, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. both of you are pretty um, adamant about lighting a flame. And sometimes it's a barn indoors for you guys in the winter where it's a propane fire. And Jay, sometimes for you guys in San Antonio, it sounds like it could be a hundred degrees outside and you're still lighting a fire. Um, why a fire as an elemental piece of these gatherings? It's ancient. It's it's absolutely ancient, and we're kind of looking for the new. But this is the old. This is the old way. This is the tried and true road. Um, You know, it's always it's always drawn me in in movies like Dances with Wolves or Sea Biscuit or all these stories where conversations about direction conversations where the passing on of wisdom always happened at the end of a day when people gathered around a fire and maybe they smoked a peace pipe, maybe they shared a drink, but what they were sharing was life. Here's what I'm learning. Here are my questions. Here's where we don't know what to do. Uh, In Dances with Wolves in particular, they're trying to decide what to do with the white man. I mean, these are huge questions. And the young are there, the older there, and they're all participating in different ways. 
And I have tried a lot of different models of discipleship. I've tried accountability groups. I've met in cafes. I've met in Mexican restaurants. I've met in people's, you know, houses with big fluffy pillows on big fluffy couches. I've met with uh, women there and, you know, kids in another bedroom that are making a lot of noise and ruckus. And at the end of the season for those particular expressions of discipleship, all of which I learned something from, all of which are good, I am not in any way knocking them. What I'm just saying is that, you know, for decades I've done those and I've tried them and I was always relieved when they came to an end. Mm -hmm. And in many of those uh, formats, when I would arrive, the focus was on what are you not doing well? And it was very seldom on who are you? It was very seldom on what is your true identity and what's getting in the way? It was very seldom. A lot of those other scenarios were focused on what's the story right now. And very few of them were focused on what's the real story. Mm. And I think that's what the campfire does. Also, you know, done in Texas, we get a little bit of cold weather. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, in the forties, you know, on Wednesday night, you know, like bitter, bitter cold, right? Teeth chattering. (laughs) But when you host a fire outside one, it's so elemental. You smell it. Right. You, it, it gets in your clothes. Yes. Men love going home and annoying their wives with the smell of fire in their clothes. There's something playful about taking off their clothes outside the bedroom because the wife won't allow the smoky clothes in the bedroom, you know? And there's something that every guy just gets a big kick out of when it comes to that. Um, You're outside. So, you know, hey, you bring your own chair. Like they get to create their own environment as opposed to being pigeonholed in another environment. For three hours, they get to basically having a camping experience. And I think that is a rescue in itself for most men who are trapped in front of a screen. They get to, it may be the one time that they're literally out in the cold, they may bring a blanket or maybe they're sweating or there's mosquitoes. We adapt to it because that's the world uh, that we live in and it's not antiseptic, it's it's not indoors. And I just think it it, it is the environment that a man's soul was made for. And so our expression of it is a reflection of the masculine soul. And it just works. Men love to come. Yeah, Jay, I would add on too, um, when you, it's got a, it's a fire because that's opposite of, of a lot of guys' experience with religion, with the four door, the four walls. Like when you walk in this place, um, we do we do our gathering in a barn, sometimes outside the barn when we have our fire outside, and it's rustic. Um, there's a corral next door. There's tack room. There's leather. There's you know holters. There's there's splinters if you sit in the wrong spot. There's deer racks on the wall. At the same time, there's Christmas lights going through those deer racks. It's a it's a juxtaposition per se, uh, but the what I'd say about the fire that's powerful is that we want to allow our souls a place to, to be brought to where we can slow down. 
where we can, right, we can get to the pace of of Jesus, which is about what three miles per hour, two and a half, um, going uphill is a little slower, and with our addiction to technology and the phones these days, Morgan, you've been a great source of help to some of the, the tech addicts like myself over the years. We get to stop. We have to tend to a fire. If it's outside, we're keep it's real wood. We're we got to keep it going. We got to tend to it. it. It captures our attention. And you're not worried about that scroll, and you're not living at the pace of the next notification, mm-hmm. even if it's just for two hours on a Monday night in Emmett, Idaho, at a, outside of a barn next to the corral. That slowdown, that pace, that pause, uh, the fire, it, it kind of kind of is the jewel in the middle of all that that commands our respect, it commands our attention, and it, it really helps us notice other people in the room and 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 be present uh, outside of ourselves and outside of the phone and the te- technology and life, which is, which is just drawing and trying to suck our soul out of our body, it seems. And so I think the fire is key to um, – to harnessing a, a pace where we can slow down and pay attention to others and be present. And what you both are naming so beautifully is the fire is the centerpiece of a masculine space. Period. Like what I hear and what I've, you know, benefited from in fires is it's no compromise. It has to be masculine. Men need permission mm-hmm. to be welcomed as men. And so like you said, Jay, like the number of gatherings I've been to, the fluffy pillows, like there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something that's not right about <laughs> it too. Yeah. And we have to say that. <clears throat> it's hard being a wholehearted man in this hour on the earth. Mm-hmm. And you guys are facilitating a space that gives the soul permission. And what I want to point out, because it's really, it, it was important for me to have both of you guys on together, because Brian, you're on the edge of, you know, Emmett, it, it, on the edge of a rural community, edge of wilderness with a lot of ruffians in the best way. You're attracting, you know, the, the wild men from the frontier and the guys from the city. Jay, you're smack dab in suburbia in San Antonio, Texas, on a cul-de-sac, white picket fences, and we're describing the same phenomenon, Mm -hmm. okay? That's what's so important for our guys to hear. We are talking about the very same thing, just in a different context. And, And I love what I'm hearing these themes already that are surfacing and, and one that was unnamed, but you both described very well is this is a space of intimacy. This is a space of true connection. There's so many men that are warehoused in churches and they go and there's 500 people and they never really interact with them or they go to the gym and there's a hundred people around, you know, every day, but they're not interacting. There's not intimacy. Everyone's in their own siloed world, but it's an environment of intimacy. It's a soul's pace, giving them permission to slow down away from technology immersed in real things for the purpose of recovering true identity, that masculine identity, that unique identity, and finding that that identity, as you pointed out, Jay, is rooted in a larger story. We need to meet a man where he is, but we have to take him into the identity that's below 
the condition in which he finds himself, his true identity as a son, as a man, as a king. And we have to help him recover the fact, as we are recovering ourselves, that we're rooted in a larger story, that we are not the center of the story. You guys are doing a brilliant job. Um, You're creating an elemental space that's purely masculine, that gives men permission to come as they are. Um, Can can we go a little farther? I want to give some framework to our listeners. It it seems like though your, your fires are unique, there's sort of a set of core values and then, um, pretty specific rules of engagement is a term I know both of you have used sort of guidelines for how this works. And then there's an actual flow. And so I'd love to hear some more stories, but, but maybe just to set context, could we visit each of those three Um, categories and help us educate us. I've never done a fire before. You know, I'm in Canton, Ohio, or I'm in Singapore and I'm interested. Can we start with the core values? What, what shapes the culture of a fire? You know, Morgan, when uh, every, if you were to come to our fire and sit in our barn, every time we hold a fire, um, we do a few things, and one of those is go over the core values, because we always want to operate from those. And yes. some, you know, sometimes if we hear stories and they start going sideways, or a guy's in trauma, or you know, think you know, crazy things can happen sometimes. Um, we want to come back to well, what's our guiding way we operate and relate to each other in this space of great permission, and and how do we kind of keep some sidebars on this from from running running out. Um, and so our core values are simple, simple, but, um, powerful. One of them story. And that hopes we, we believe hope comes from hearing and every man who enters that barn, we want to hear their story. It's important. And we want to provide an area where they can sh- uh, see others and hear their story, but also share their own story, um, to the, to the guys in the group, other operating core values, humility. Humility is the door to authentic relationship. Mm. Um, Walla Hart's a great, a great uh, teacher on the poser. Every boot camp, tons of podcasts on here. I love the IKEA drawing. Um, you know, we go a lot of places, but the the poser doesn't have room to really exist at a fire. Mm. Um, and we believe that humility is really a door for us to anchor around to to not have to pose. And we give full permission for people to call each other out on it um, after they come a time or two. Uh, the other core values, honor. We always want to honor the man next to us on our right or our left above ourselves. Um, and then hope. If We believe if you're telling your story, um, there's going to be an exchange. And it's going to create hope. And then redemption. Of course, without the Redeemer, there's no redemption. That's our fifth kind of core value. We always visit at the beginning of every fire. And, you know, we're in a kingdom with a king, and he wants redemption for his sons. And we're going to rally behind that redemption. Like you're mentioning, Morgan, it's, it's, it's not starting in the pain. It's starting with the Redeemer who's coming for his sons. Just to pause, Brian, to take that in, like to take in to the feast of a man who's never been before and things are sideways in his world and he shows up into a space and 
from what I hear you saying, every fire, you say this out loud. You invite loud. the saying, this is our culture. It's redemption. It's a kingdom with a king. It's hope through shared story. It's honoring each other above ourselves. It's humility as the doorway to authentic relationship. And story is central. To just notice even what happens in my own heart of how I feel safe. I feel loved. I feel um, something like possibility rising up just from the atmosphere you're describing of what's set. It's just so important to understand this is something that's revisited every time because it's from this culture that everything takes place. Jay, similar distinctions. How about being sons and your fires? Yeah, Brian, I love your answer. There's so much overlap in what you just said and, you know, what what drives our fires. Uh, for me, there used to be seven rules. I just like getting simpler and simpler just to try and be as unreligious as possible. And again, I've had seven years, you know, that I've been working on this. So it's really come down to three simple rules, which I do state every single time. One, story is king. Two, honor other men. And three, be authentic. So I will take a moment to describe what it means that story is king. Um, and all of these are really responses, not reactions, but responses to what I have experienced in the past in these discipleship or these fellowship circles. Uh, so story is king. There's a lot of ways that we can convey information. And a lot of men around the circle have got, they are pent up ministers, teachers, preachers, and they don't have anywhere to, you know, offer. <laughs> Granted, a lot of them are still in their story of redemption and they're working through how to offer what's inside them, but they've got stories that they don't understand. And so what I try and help them understand is that Every single person's story is sacred. And we can spend two hours on any man's story down to two minutes. And a part of what we are learning around this circle is how do we tell our story in the appropriate manner? I said lots of, you know, there, there may be some of us that may spend 10 minutes on our story. But what we're looking for is to walk with God, to ask him, am I supposed to share and then what is the portion of my story that I'm supposed to share? Because we don't need to hear the whole thing. What I've learned over the years is you give a man um, the opportunity to share, he will often not only share the most compelling piece of his story, he'll begin sharing his whole story with lots of stories that are unnecessary. And this is how I met that person and that person. So I say, look, yeah, we're at a point in human history where people uh, need you to be skillful at sharing the portion of your story that's going to captivate their heart and, and have them ask the next question. So this is a place where we get to practice you know, mm -hmm. sharing stories. So I constantly lean into, uh, you know, in Revelation, they overcame, meaning the saints of God. The church of God overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So that's what we do. Like we're learning to share our stories as opposed to um, what we address in rule number two, which is honor other men. 
you know what it's like to share your heart. And then another guy respond in such a way that it just feels like it castrates you. We've all done that. I mean, there's so many insensitive ways to respond when a man courageously, vulnerably shares a piece of his story. We can respond by, one, not allowing there to be any silence at all. Somebody has to jump in right away. Two, a man offers teaching. He just begins to teach and quote scripture and, oh, I was just listening to this sermon. Um, another man will compare. He'll begin saying, well, yeah, that story happened to you. Well, this story happened to me as well. Or you caught a you know, two-foot fish. Well, I caught one that's you know, three foot long. You know, like <laughs> men are just so insensitive. And a part of what we get to do is call bullshit. Yeah. And I think yeah. even the guys that are the bullshitters appreciate somebody's teaching me because the guys don't know how to be honest and sensitive with other men's stories because we've never been taught. Jay, let me ask you. So you literally in a fire will challenge a guy. Like you're saying story is king, but you're saying a big part of the culture is teaching people what that means and practicing through making mistakes and taking another pass at it. Like I'm genuinely asking, is that what happens? Yes. And and I, I have to, that's where the, I have to walk with Jesus in it because I have to do it. You know, I, I get to do it kindly. We're after God here. So yeah, so the first rule is story is king. Um, two is honor other men, which means don't respond or react to another man telling his story by teaching, preaching, counseling, or comparing. And do not interrupt another man unless it's to get clarification. Like, oh, wait a minute, was this your second wife or your third wife that we're talking about here? You know, and 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 that's the only reason that we interrupt people. And then afterwards, you know, after a guy has shared a story, it's just, wow, wow, thank you for sharing that. And what happens is, as men are sharing their stories. God's actually using one man's story, like Scripture, to speak to another man, to embolden him, to empower him, to to awaken him to the next question that he may need to be asking his relationship with the Lord. So the stories, God is using the stories and how the stories are being told. I'm just protecting the men to help them share their stories in the most powerful way for all of the other men to hear. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, like Brian was saying with those guys, and I've heard I mean, Brian and I talk and communicate once or twice a week. So, I mean, it's just been amazing to watch how God comes at his fires. And, uh, you know, it, and it is, it has to be a, a protected space. So the third rule is be authentic, be yourself. And I'm like, guys, some of us don't even know how to do that. Like there, there's a false self and there's a true self. And if you don't know who your true self is, this is actually an incredible, this is the safest place in the world for you to, to walk that out. We're all practicing learning who we are as sons of God and who we are not. There's always two stories. That's what all this is about. It's being aware of the story that I'm telling myself and asking God, what's the real story? 
that's going on. So I would say those are the core values. As I'm here with you in this space, I'm thinking of a guy listening to this, and it could sound complex, but at the end of the day, what we're talking about is something wildly simple. We're talking about showing up, hosting a simple space for men to be men, simply recovering authentic masculinity. I mean, the simplest way to look at it is inviting a few men and treating them how you would like to be treated as a man, listening to their stories, responding to them as you would want someone to respond to your story. So friends, this is just part one of this two-part series, and we are helping to fuel this initiative that has been at work through the lives of some of our closest allies and some of these BGS alumni here for seven years. It started with just a few. It's gone out where we have over 30 fires going on right now here in the U.S., and we sense this call to action through the BGS community, the Wild at Heart community. Our sense is that these fires are part of the recovery of masculine initiation, of authentic masculinity in this particular hour on the globe. Tribes of men coming home to the love of God as a father, men being forged by God, sharpened by the lives and the stories of other men. It is profoundly simple and profoundly powerful. And as we close this episode, I simply want to invite you to ask the Spirit of God, how would you participate? You might want to try to find a local fire. At this point of this revolution, we want to invite you to consider hosting a fire because we need men like you for when a lots of other men come to the website and look for a fire, they can find one in every community where we have our allies. And so we want to invite you to consider prayerfully, would this be something God has for you? Once a month, light a fire invite a few men, and create a space for everyone, including yourself, to receive, to offer, to engage in the ancient practice of storytelling together. All of it led by God, shaped by God, and fueled by God. So friends, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jay and Brian. Uh, we are really excited uh, about Wild at Heart fires. And the next step for you is to either consider hosting a fire or joining a fire that's already happening in your area. You can learn more by going to wildatheart.org forward slash fires. Uh, and there you'll see an explanation of what fires are. You can click to host your own fire. You can find a fire and look around the interactive map of the world to see and find a fire in your area. And when you sign up as a host, we will send you one of these fire starter kits that has everything you need to host a fire yourself. And actually as part of the offer, 
we desire to give a free copy of Becoming a King and of Wild at Heart to every guy that attends his first fire. So friends, on behalf of the entire Wild at Heart team, thank you for taking the time to dial in to this episode one of our Wild at Heart Fires podcast series. Uh, You can hear them in long form at Become Good Soil, and we'd love for you to come back next week for part two, where we're diving deeper. We'll share more information about the website resources and help you to have more ways to join us in this revolution. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.